Thank you. You may be seated. For those of you who are wondering why there's no music for the cross on the way back, that is because in most of our rubrics, the cross comes back and the gospel comes back in quiet. The reason that is, is because Jesus is to have the last word. We sit for a moment with his gospel word that lives and dwells and moves among us. And we pause for that moment and we consider who he is and what he has done for us. We are in week three of a series on calling. And today we want to talk about being called as we are and given a new purpose. Called as we are and given a new purpose. Two weeks ago, we uh, considered Abraham, uh, who was blessed to be a blessing. We are called for the sake of others, period. That's why we're called. Uh, There is no calling that is not for another person. One amen. Thank you, Frank. (laughs) And then last week, we talked about Ananias, who was called by God to go to Saul and be used by God to call Saul. You remember this? So we had a double calling in that one. And he was following God's call. And what we decided there, what we thought there together, is that God's calling is oftentimes very risky. And it is always costly. To follow the call of God is oftentimes risky and always very costly. And today we want to think about being called as we are by God. The as in this statement, according to Kathleen Kahalen, and she's the writer of the book that we're working together in our triads, what the as means is this. It means that we are called from the particularities of our lives, the conditions of our existence that are unique to us, to each one of us. We are called as we are. God takes our situations and our context and he puts them into his service. And so we're called from these contexts and our contexts are unique together. We're called as we are. And so today we just considered in the gospel this really short passage of Jesus calling his apostles. Now I want to talk about these guys for just a minute, these 12 guys. There are four fishermen, at least one tax collector, One man that is so gripped by greed that he's going to betray Jesus and a political zealot, just to name a few. We don't know a lot about the other guys, actually. We really don't know a lot about these 12 men, but we know that. We know that they had very particular lives together. They are very unique in their calling. I want to just say three things that I hope will bless you today about the 12 apostles. The first is this. They were thoroughly ordinary people. I mean, can I get an amen on that one? (laughs) I had the privilege of being at a conference one time where Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson, was on a panel. And it uh, it was a conference for artists in the church. And the question that they were discussing on this panel was, should artists in the church serve in the nursery? Patty, didn't you want to go to that one with me? That sounds riveting, doesn't it? But they were talking about, should they serve in the nursery? Lillian. 
Of course the answer is yes. They should serve in the nursery. But that's not the point. The first three uh, young people on the panel, very skilled, very good, uh, one a very good friend of mine, they were back and forth about all of this and about the uniqueness of being an artist. And they were going back and forth and back and forth, and it was a little awkward. And the room just began to turn toward Eugene Peterson, right? I mean, if you write the Bible, you should be able to answer this question. And so we just start to turn toward the sage in the room. I don't know if you've ever, ever had the ever had the privilege of hearing a talk live. He just does not talk until someone invites him to talk. He just sat there, let them go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, the moderator of the panel said, Eugene, should artists serve in the nursery? And Eugene said this, well, here's what I've learned in my life. Most of us are pretty darn ordinary. Except he didn't say darn. (laughs) But I have not translated the Bible, and so I'm going to say darn. Kids, if you ever translate the Bible, you can say damn. But I'm going to say darn, okay, today. Most of us are pretty darn ordinary. And so, yes, to be reminded of that, I think we should serve in the nursery. (laughs) These 12 men were pretty ordinary, small business owners and political zealots and (laughs) someone struggling with greed, a doubter, a tax collector. That's one. Number two, they are a thoroughly diverse group of people. Thoroughly diverse. Let me just give you one example of that. Matthew, who was probably Levi, if you're, if you're in your Bibles and you just look right over like to the next column, Levi got called in chap- the chapter right before this. That's probably Matthew. His name probably got changed. He's a tax collector. Simon the Zealot is probably a military, I mean, he is a political zealot, probably standing against Rome, even militarily. Matthew and Simon would have hated each other. And it is not that, I'm not using, hate's a strong word. Hated each other. Because Simon was zealous for a Jewish nation. And Matthew was working for Rome. Both Jews. They would have hated each other. That's just one way this group was diverse. There's more, but that's just one. Last thing about this group. They have exactly one thing in common when they're called one thing. They may have more, but this one thing they have in common. Their heart is thoroughly turned toward Jesus. I want to say it again because I botched it. It's a good line. Their hearts are thoroughly turned toward Jesus. I have coached uh, a lot of basketball teams. I have led a lot of staff church teams and uh, educational teams. I've done a lot of that. And I want to say this one thing. The best teams I've ever led or been on were teams that had a common heart for something. Best basketball team I ever coached were just a bunch of ordinary, 12 ordinary guys, 12 in fact, ordinary guys who actually were good basketball players but not great. Um, I always said about them, hey, they're short, but at least they're slow. 
<laughs> Best basketball team I've ever coached. Won every game. No one got within 20 points of us. Because here's what they had in common. Their hearts were turned toward one common goal. They liked each other, too. That was good. But they, they came from very different backgrounds. One common goal. To win basketball games. I, I didn't have to coach them that hard. You see, here's the thing about we learn from the call of David. God is thoroughly not interested in our status or our stature. He is thoroughly uninterested in that. Right? Samuel goes to call David and uh, Jesse's son start walking by in order of height, by the way, most likely. Right? The first one's big, right? And Samuel says, this has got to be your guy. He looks like Saul. He's tall. He's handsome. He's rugged. This has got to be the guy. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm not picking another guy like that. Mm-mm. You're looking at the wrong thing, Samuel. I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at the heart. So the first thing is that we are called as we are, like these 12 men. Called as we are. The second thing is this. God calls us as we are, and and he gives us a new purpose. It would be weak for God to simply call us as we are, wouldn't it? But he gives us a new purpose in our lives. The disciples had a new purpose. So, uh, Tony, I got some slides here. I want to just take a moment, and I want to talk about our two terms that we've talked a little bit about before, but I want to just quickly go over them again. Vocation is the common call for those of us who are in Christ Jesus to live and work for the sake of God's mission in and to all creation. So at the beginning of the story, what does Jesus do? He calls all of his disciples together. This is a bigger group of people. It's kind of a loose term. In your Bibles, it should be actually a, a lowercase d. Like, it's, it's everybody. Come, come everybody. He, he calls them all together, his disciples. It's a vocational call. It's all of us together in one space. We're, we have a common call. This common vocation, the word we use, is that we're all disciples of Jesus Christ. Our hearts are turned toward him. Understand? So that's common in that sense. That's your vocation. That's my vocation. We have a common vocation. The next one is callings. The specific work, roles, talents, relationships, and gifts of the Spirit that God intends for each one to uniquely live out and work for the sake of God's purpose and plan in all creation. Then he chooses 12 apostles. See how this works? He has a unique call. Not every disciple in that group was an apostle. They were all disciples with a heart turned toward God. And then he picks 12 in a unique calling. There was 12 of them. Now you say, well, that was community too because there's 12. Of course. We'll talk about that in a minute. None of our callings exist by ourselves. <laughs> That's just not work in the Bible. There's no such thing as rugged individualism in the Bible, just so you know. It's just not. Can't find it. And Well, you can find it. It usually ends really badly. Okay? So we're called together. Thanks, Tony. You can take those down. So he calls them out. We are called collectively as disciples. Our vocation is for our hearts to be turned toward God and to serve him. And each of us have unique calls on our lives that we use together to do that because we're called as we are. 
and we're given a new purpose. Isaiah 66, says, As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. I've been thinking about this verse a lot lately. I'm going to read it again. Isaiah 66, As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. I've been thinking about our name, Church of the Apostles. It's a weighty name, apostles. What it means technically is a commissioned representative. These 12 men were commissioned representatives. They were messengers. They were sent ones. And as we read on in the Gospel of Luke, it was a weighty call on their lives. Our name is a weighty name. And I, got, I have three more slides. Only the first is this. Our mission is to live out our vocation and callings for the sake of others. Our mission is to call out our vocation and callings for the sake of others. That's weighty. It goes against our human natures apart from Christ, doesn't it? Because our natural selves want to live out our callings for the sake of us. For the sake of our stature and our status. But that is not the call of God to commissioned representatives. Number two, maybe hit it again, I hope. Living our vocation and callings will cost more than we expect and be better than we imagine. Trudy is here today. I can see everybody now, Trudy. You shouldn't have sat there. (laughs) This line that I just used was something my wife said to Glenn. When Glenn and Trudy were moving to South Carolina, Glenn said, tell me how you knew you were supposed to move. And Tamara said a few things, and then she paused and said, Glenn, I want to tell you something. The call on our lives has cost us more than we ever expected and has been better than we ever imagined. I wanted Tamara to say something else so they wouldn't move. (laughs) But she's right. The name of apostles is weighty. You go to chapter 9... And Jesus says, take nothing. Take the clothes on your back. Rely on the gifts of others. Lay it all down. The world's going to hate you. Some people will not let you in. The call of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ will cost us more than we ever expected. But be better than we ever imagined. Because when they came back, They said to Jesus, I cannot believe the power that was unleashed. (laughs) They share this moment where they come back and say, this was better than we could have imagined. And last, Tony, again, relationship is essential to living out our vocation and callings. This does not happen alone. It cannot happen alone. Even when Jesus sent the 12, they always went two by two. (laughs) 
They traveled together. They worked together. He would take three sometimes. He would take all sometimes. The biggest arguments, by the way, that the apostles had is when they didn't want to be in relationship with one another. They wanted to be the best. They forgot that they were thoroughly ordinary people. This has to happen together. Just like Ananias went and called Saul. This happens together. Just like Lot traveled with Abraham. It happens together. Just like Samuel went to David to anoint him. It happens together. Anytime you read these calls, especially the call of David, when it goes off the rails is when he's alone. Right? You know how the whole debacle with Bathsheba starts, right? When David was supposed to be at war. He was alone on his roof. Thanks, Tony.